George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the infrastructure bill betrayal. Peter Navarro joins me. The Biden vax mandate gets blocked and Terry Bradshaw. And a little video from TikTok, a rescue signal I never knew about. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. If you listen all the time, you know I do a first five segment, and I do have a great first five segment ready uh, to talk about the betrayal by some Republicans in voting for the infrastructure bill and apparently not comprehending what that really will do. But because we have a very special guest joining us today, I'm going to do the first five after we talk with him and come back to the infrastructure bill. I do want to talk about that, but I want to um, tell you the guests we have today. The gentleman's name is Peter Navarro, and I'm sure you're all going, I know that name. So he is the author of this book, which I'll show you in a moment, In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. Peter Navarro, this is the book, and that is his picture in the White House talking to uh, Donald Trump when he was president. And the book is a honestly a great and kind of speedy read, full of, it's very um, engaging because it tells about people and conversations. But I want to go right to him because a lot of what he has to say um, is, is just very consequential for America and all the issues that we're facing. Uh, much of what the uh, book addresses has to do with Dr. Fauci and the handling of the entire COVID-19 situation. So we'll talk about uh, COVID-19, what really happened on November 3rd in election fraud, what happened on January 6th. And we're going to do that in 20 minutes. It's a good thing I grew up in New York because I can speak quickly. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Peter Navarro. I see the in Trump time uh, thing, is, by the way, Debbie, is a coinage I had early in 2017 when I was first in the White House and there were a bunch of bureaucrats dragging heels on uh, one of Trump initiatives. And it just out of my mouth says, no, 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 we're going to do that in Trump time, which is to say as quickly as possible. So kind of in a New York minute was first, but in Trump time is, is kind of capturing the essence of that. Well, I love that. And actually, it's a kind of interesting thing about Donald Trump. You know, he just, because he's not a politician, hadn't been one, because he's not used to the whole process. If you've been in the Senate and the House and you'd have committee meetings and then you negotiate, he just kind of came to Washington and said, I know why I got elected and I'm going to try to do everything I can think of to fulfill my Trump agenda. And he didn't, I, I love that about him, actually. He's just kind of a, he's a businessman, problem solver, go-to guy, so I love that. Much of your book focused on uh, the COVID-19 uh, issue uh, in the last year of the Trump uh, presidency and, and ongoing today. And before I, I will tell you, I've, I'm gonna do a segment after we're done, uh, just about how, I've done many, many segments, talking about how extremely um, onerous the current administration's actions are based on COVID, vaccine mandates, vaccine yeah. uh, passport. Yeah. So what do you think, if, if President Trump had won a second term, do you think he would have ever gone along with something like vaccine mandates? No, not, not a snowball's chance in hell, Debbie. Uh, and um, one of, in one of the uh, early chapters of, of In Trump Time, I talk about how on February 9th, 2020, very early in the pandemic, 
uh, I would write a series of memos for the president. And the first one I did on that February 9th day, it was short, but it said, if we get moving right now, we could have a vaccine by October or November. Now think about that. Um, usually it takes three times that long, but based on my conversations with President Trump and my, my understanding of the Trump in Trump time culture, I knew we could do that. Um, and we did, and, and, and good for President Trump. But a couple of things must be said. Uh, first of all, never in uh, the president's imagination or mind did we ever believe that the vaccines would be used as a weapon to take away people's jobs or isolate them uh, socially or culturally. Um, never did we imagine that these vaccines would, would be sticking in the, in the children's arms when they don't need it or people who already have antibodies. And interestingly enough, Debbie, when I was uh, uh, writing those memos, as of what they would be a series of a dozen memos, we would get, uh, and, and the interim time clears up the myth that we weren't really on top of the game. And we were doing vaccines, we were doing therapeutics, like monoclonal antibodies that have saved thousands of lives making sure we had testing, ventilators for everyone. But I do, do want to point out that kind of this is the root, this is kind of the original sin of the whole pandemic. And everything you're, you're talking about today on your show tracks back to what this is. And what is it? This is the Wuhan yeah. uh, Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. And so in chapter two of the In Trump Time book, as you know, I, I was sitting uh, for the first time across the table for, from Tony Fauci. I didn't know who he was at the time, but my mission there was to uh, argue on behalf of the China travel ban uh, for President Trump. Fauci was dead against it. And, uh, but here's what I want to tell you, because this is the, the original sin and the sin of omission of Fauci. And one of the missions of this book here in Trump time is to get Fauci out of government and into a jail cell. Why do I say that? Well, this is China. Yeah, this is you. the lab. Fauci knew that the virus itself had, had showed up within yards of this lab. So right off the bat, he would know that there was a high likelihood the virus came from the lab. But, but here's what he didn't tell us, Debbie, and this is so important. Fauci knew at the time that he had been funneling taxpayer money into this lab. I call this the Fauci wing, right? And he also, behind the back of the president, again, documented in the In Trump Time book, lifted the ban on these gain of function experiments. These are when you can turn a harmless bat virus into a human killer. And lastly, Fauci had gotten an email from a prominent scientist telling him flat out that this virus, this Chinese Communist Party virus was genetically engineered ergo a bioweapon. So think about that. That was the end of January 2020 when, when a lot of people um, were still oblivious to the dangers. There were only three people in the White House who took it seriously. It was the president, myself, and National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. Now, why is this important? If Fauci had come clean right then, Debbie, we would have had an entirely different strategy, which, which would have been uh, first and foremost, pressuring communist China to reveal the original genome of the original virus. That would have helped us get to not only a vaccine quicker, 
but also a, a better vaccine. The one we have now, it's workable, but it's it's fairly primitive in the six spike proteins it targeted. We still don't know to this day what the original source of that virus was. All we're dealing now with is mutation. Bottom line, Fauci's sin, his, his lie of omission should put him in jail. He lied to Rand Paul, he lied to Congress, but th this is where it, 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 it all started. And later in your show, you're going to talk about these vaccine mandates, how the courts have said, no, 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 you can't do that. That's part of Fauci's original sin. And the Trump administration never would have done that. And then you, you talk about these, these bills that Congress passed. You talk about that today. We wouldn't need any of that if it weren't for Tony Fauci. So the In Trump Time book is designed to hold Fauci accountable, hold the Chinese communists accountable, and also, as you mentioned, get to the bottom of November 3rd and January 6th. Okay, I love your answer. I was going to say, I've gone through my whole first page of questions, but actually, I just love it. <laughs> I, I did want to specifically mention, I think I forgot to send it to Ziggy, but uh, I had a picture of the email that uh, Dr. Fauci received. It was on January 31st of 2020. Yes. And this is from Christian Anderson at Scripps yes. Research Institute, a serious, uh, you know, a, a reputable, serious scientist alerting him now we're up almost two years ago now almost two years ago that this yeah. is not a naturally occurring virus and this is not a uh you know did not come from bats so this has this is a uh the term was a genetically modified the horseshoe bat virus potentially yeah. engineered was the language so I, I must tell you that, I mean, I, I've never liked Fauci for a lot of reasons, but yeah. the idea that he knew in January of 2020, nearly yes. two years, what is the explanation in your view, why he didn't tell at least your little team reading in the situ meeting the situation room where I know they soon excluded yeah. you from, but the whole little team, why didn't he bring the tell? What would be your explanation for why he didn't do that? So in chapter two, when I meet him in the situation room, uh, I get immediately get into an argument with him and he's insisting travel bans don't work. Uh, and at one point I go, dude, I actually said, dude, to St. Fauci, dude, it's like <laughs> if 20,000 Chinese nationals are coming in every day uh, into this country, many of them lit up like a Christmas tree with the Wuhan virus. Don't you think it would be a good idea to stop them from coming? But he just kept saying, Travel, you know, that Brooklyn thing he's got going, travel bans don't work. And my read on him, Debbie, at the time was narcissist, loves to be on TV, loves to hear the sound of his voice, sociopath. He's always lying. And then if he gets caught in a lie, he tells another lie. But but to your point, I really think at the end of January of 2020, Fauci was hoping against hope that somehow this virus would be contained, somehow it would go be, go away, so he wouldn't get blamed for it. So he kept it to himself. It was the ultimately selfish act. And and there's this other guy in the In Trump Time book, when, when you mentioned like taking a harmless bat virus, there's a guy, uh, Peter Daszak, I describe him as the dumbest person who ever tried to play God, right? <laughs> Fauci recruits him as a cutout uh, to run a, run a letter writing campaign in prestigious scientific journals to spin that somehow this is from nature rather than from the house that Fauci built here uh, at the Wuhan Bioweapons Lab. And what's what's interesting about it in another section of the In Trump Time book, I have a, uh, a quote of Daszak and in the audio book, he's actually speaking because I took clips and plugged them into the audio book 
where he's look, he's going, well, you just take a, a, a bat virus, you go into the backbone of the bat virus yeah. and you inject yeah. some things um, and you turn it into a killer. I mean, right. He's doing that right on TV before the pandemic hit. And it's like dumbest person yeah. I've ever seen who who won't, who played God. And so that's the Fauci Dasik, and that guy Christian Anderson you mentioned, boy, did he walk back that email as soon as Fauci put pressure on him. That's Fauci's power. Let's be clear. Fauci's power over the scientific community is he held, holds the purse strings to billions upon billions of dollars of grant money over the last uh, few decades. And um, again, um, I'm telling you, read the In Trump Time book. If you don't think Fauci belongs in jail, double your money back. Okay, I love that point, and I want to continue talking about Fauci a little longer. You describe, and on this show, I should tell you, um, actually, I've never met you before, so you've probably never seen my show before. I've had many doctors on my show talking, really, actually, since July of 2020, I had a doctor yeah. come on my show talking about inhaled budesonide. It's an asthma treatment. He's an emergency room doctor. At that time, there was no protocol coming out of CDC for yeah doctors who treat patients, they basically said yeah. if, they, if they show up at the emergency room and they're not dying, send them home. And when they can't hardly breathe and their lips are turning blue, then you admit them. But they didn't authorize or, or encourage any of the widely available treatments. So yes. this doctor on my show inhaled budesonide. I've had doctors on my show, many of them talking about the astonishing capacity of hydroxychloroquine to, to just, if you catch it in the early stages, you did a great job in the book describing what I've had many doctors say, which is, Hydroxychloroquine has just proven enormously effective, but when it got to the government saying, okay, we'll run some tests or other people run tests, it's like they sabotaged the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine by waiting until it was too late in the progression of the disease with the patient for it to be effective. Yes. Why would that be? Why, 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 why? why, why would and what Debbie's just said, uh, viewers and listeners, is, is so critical. Um, Chapter seven of the In Trump Time book is, is the longest. It's, and it's an homage to Perry Mason. It's the scurrilous case of hydroxy hysteria. It's a story about how Fauci and Jeff Zucker at CNN and Cheryl Stolberg at the New York Times, mainstream media turned a 60 year old drug, one of the safest in the world, into something that you feared during the height of this. And, um, I had uh, at my hands as the Defense Production Act policy coordinator working with FEMA, 64 million tablets of hydroxy. It's like a $12 drug for a full treatment. Would have uh, treated 4 million Americans in early treatment use under the physician's care, saved tens of thousands of lives. Now, Debbie, you asked me why, why they fought hydroxychloroquine so hard. Uh, the minute Donald Trump said that hydroxychloroquine might work and ordered the FDA to make it widely available, it was like a plague of locusts descended on the White House. And CNN's got blood on its hands, Zucker, John Berman, and New Day. I call all of these people out um, in the book. Fauci, uh, Steve Hahn at the FDA, the, the big villain to me uh, is the current FDA chairman, a woman named Janet Woodcock. The boss tells the FDA uh, and Azar, Secretary Azar, uh, to make this widely available to people. And Azar tells uh, the FDA, do it now. And instead of writing an order at the FDA that said, okay, 
physicians, you can prescribe this on off-label use for use on an outpatient basis in the first seven days. That's when we know hydroxychloroquine will save your life. Take that to the bank, okay? Take that to the bank. Instead of doing that, Janet Woodcock behind the scenes seems to have worked um, to create uh, an order that said, you can only give it to hospitalized patients, mostly on their deathbed, right? And like when you use hydroxy at that point, Debbie, you know, it's like aspirin for a gunshot wound. I mean, you use it early, it's a powerful medicine, you use it late, it's, it's much less likely to work. Why? I mean, look, lots of reasons. It's like Trump was before for it, so you, they must be against it. But there's a theme that weaves through Fauci that always traces back to big pharma. I mean, there's another chapter in the book, another homage to, uh, to Perry Mason, the curious case of the delayed vaccine, which shows how Fauci and the CEO of Pfizer, um, and again, CNN, basically created an environment in which the vaccine was ready to go, but they delayed it until after the election because they didn't want Trump to get a victory. So it's like my thing in the end Trump time book, I, I say it flat out, look, politics, I get it, politics is rough. But you would think when it comes to people's lives, Americans dying, that these people would have, have the decency um, to do the right thing. And, and Fauci, Woodcock, Hahn, Zucker, Berman, Stahlberg, they did not do that. And, and there's blood in my judgment on their hands. Could not agree more. And I will tell you, I've had, as I mentioned, doctors on the show talking about the efficacy of these various things. I've had doctors on my show who were in the gray state of Texas. We had actually doctors in Texas investigated by the Texas Medical Board for yeah, yeah. prescribing hydroxychloroquine when Just, even in the situation where that the, what this doctor did involve patients, senior citizens in a nursing home, yeah, 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 widespread yeah. Uh, infection, and literally uh, all of them, you know, he did everything you would think a doctor should do, monitor the oxygen level in the blood and provide yeah, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. And all of them except one person, this was in like over 40 people, seniors, yeah. all except one who was 101, whose family said to him, please stop treating her. They all survived and he was still investigated. I mean, what Fauci did, in addition to uh, demeaning the notion of a hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, ivermectin, he set a tone in the medical community in our country that basically said, punish these people. And I, I, I mean, I find it, the politicization of yeah. medical care, it, it, I think people, in fact, I'll tell you, this is why you have some people who don't understand what happened. I've had dear friends of mine, well-educated, say, well, why would Fauci lie? Fauci, Fauci said it doesn't work. And it's like, well, why don't, and anyway, it was a very frustrating thing. We could um, go on. I yeah, well, let me just say one thing on that, since you're sitting in Dallas, deliver this message, because I've said it a number of times. I, I like Ken Paxson, the attorney general, but he really needs to follow the lead of the Nebraska AG who just issued a decision that says it's okay to use hydroxy and ivermectin for off-label use. We won't persecute or prosecute you. Paxton, Governor Abbott needs to get on that along with DeSantos in Florida because uh, we need to flood the zone with these therapeutics. Uh, the, the vaccines are for people who are elderly with a high risk of death, people with comorbidities. Uh, they're not for, for otherwise healthy people and children. So therapeutics, and again, in the interim time, book. I wrote all about this in February of 2020. It's like, we're going to need these therapeutics. So 
Good for you, Deb. I'm bad, 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 glad you've been covering this. Okay, sir, you know what? I'm trying to honor the time thing. Actually, I'm trying to string you out. No, I'm trying to honor <laughs> the, the time commitment. I meant to say when I introduced you that at the time you, were, you began working with President Trump, you were the director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. And way back then, when you were working on changing our trade deals, I was defending what you were saying because I knew what you are saying was right. It was great. But back to where we are now, we have Trump out of office. We have, uh, in, in my view, the unelected cabal currently occupying the White House. Um, and just, I, I got to ask you, because I, I have had so many experts explaining the many, many ways in which it was election fraud. Can you see a path forward to have that election fraud exposed at, at more broadly? Or are we just, uh, or is it just going to kind of be the eternal <clears throat> yeah. sin that no one knows about? This is the blueprint for that. The In Trump Time book at the end of it, uh, there's a chapter uh, in the In Trump Time book about how after the election, I saw a lot of election irregularities. I waited for the Trump campaign to, to dive into that. They did not. I took it upon myself on Thanksgiving Day of 2020. Yep. No turkey, no football, no problem. Raided through thousands of documents, right? And, um, you know, I, I did get to the bottom of it. And I think the way forward is pretty simple. Uh, Arizona is the tip of the spear right now. They've already uncovered enough illegal votes to decertify. Um, it's not a, 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 a legal problem that this matters. A political will, the Republican legislature in Arizona just has to do the right thing. They're hampered by a governor in Arizona who's a rhino anti-Trumper. Uh, but Georgia, same thing. We, we've proven that, that that's stolen. We're making great headway. Bottom line, Deb, full forensic audits around the 50 states. And we need to get to the bottom of this. You know, people say, oh, I'll let Trump run in 2024 and all this. No, 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 no. We got to wait. Look, if you were sitting here in November of 61 and you knew for a fact that Kennedy stole it from Nixon, what would you do? It's just shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, they stole it unfair and unsquare. Or would you actually do some? I mean, it took decades for, for, for historians to finally declare unequivocally that Kennedy stole it from Nixon. Um, we're in that similar situation now, but we know right now that in all likelihood that thing was stolen and we need full forensic audits. The path forward is decertifying the battleground states. I am completely with you. And I'll tell you, my husband and I are both lawyers by background. And you know, he's a, was a, is a business lawyer. And it talked about in any other context in America, if you know there was fraud, you don't say, well, I guess, you know, we didn't catch it in time and just let it go. We don't let yeah. it go in the context of people who we discover later have defrauded or embezzled. We right the wrong in our legal system. And this is an unprecedented time, not, uh, the scope of the fraud, the tactics of the fraud, and the, uh, just, just the, um, the, the widespread nature of it. And if we let it go and we don't expose all of it, which I'm with you, forensic audits all the way. I had that Senator Wendy Rogers on a couple weeks ago, and she's in Arizona. She's wound up about this, too. But we, it it's really should be every American wanting it, not just Republicans, not just Trump supporters. People who want to know we have a valid election system should want this yeah. corrected for sure. Okay, I think our time is up. Is that right? <laughs> I think that's right. Do me a big favor, folks. Buy this now on Amazon. Buy a couple. Give one to your friends. Uh, I'm really fighting the uh, the corporate media on this. Uh, they're trying to ignore the book, but it's it's been a bestseller already on Amazon. We need to get the truth out about Fauci. 
We need to get the truth out about this lab and the Chinese Communist Party. And as Debbie says, we need to get the truth out about November 3rd and January 6th. And next time, Debbie, we'll talk about the betrayal of Donald Trump by uh, by the et tu brute Shakespearean character, <laughs> otherwise known as Mike Pence. But it's really nice being with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I could not agree more, more Mr. Pence. I'll show my listeners again. I ordered this. It's in Trump time, a journal of America's plague year. Peter Navarro, really, really easy read. It is an in-depth book, but as you can see, I've marked it up, circled, squared, uh, stickies <laughs> on. It's the kind of thing you want to hold on to and refer to. So glad Peter Navarro could join us today. Now we'll go to my first five. Um, I wanted, I knew we had to get rolling. I want to make sure I got to do my first five uh, and, and get the maximize my time with him. So uh, the first five, I want to talk about the infrastructure bill um, and very briefly just say this. The infrastructure bill, uh, which is now uh, maybe even uh, President Biden has, uh, he who claims to be President Biden has signed it, I don't know, but it's gone through the Senate, gone through the House, and it's on the, the president's desk. It is truly and absolutely at the very most one-third infrastructure. A lot of people say, well, you know, you got to fix roads, got to fix bridges, got to fix airports, as though that's what's in it. And it's very, very important to understand the depth of betrayal committed by every Republican who voted for it. The bill is just, it's a one piece, and the, the left has been trying to pull together the Biden Build Back Better, um, you know, they, they like a cutesy name, horrific, uh, very Marxist, intended to take over many aspects of American, uh, of America. I mean, it is, a, it is a deadly bill in terms of wanting to have a free country. But we have the infrastructure bill, and then separate from that, they've had this um, spending bill. And so what the left is trying to say is it's all one big package. In fact, some of the Democrats, some of the uh, extreme socialists on the left would not vote for the infrastructure bill. They voted no on their own party's bill because they wanted to have that infrastructure bill married to, voted on together with this massive, overwhelming spending bill and they didn't get their way. But I will tell you what happened and why it matters so much. So you have six Democrats, and they're all the you know lunatic socialists, Bauman, Cori Bush, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. They're, they're, just, they're, they're the flat out communists. They wouldn't vote for it for the reason I just said, because they wanted to get to vote in the whole big, gigantic spending package. There were, sadly, 13 Republicans in the US House, 13 Republicans, who voted to get this infrastructure bill through the Congress. And there was actually a little article, it's up on our website, americacanwetalk.org, up on the website, explaining, uh, they got some statements from some of these people why they voted for it. And then, you know, these idiotic, well, you know, we have to do something on infrastructure. And, you know, they have some good things my district will like. I mean, just idiotic level excuses. And so those 13 Republicans made it possible for this bill to pass. And what I say about them is, if you are a Republican in Congress and you would vote for this infrastructure bill, you have no earthly idea what is happening in this country. You have no earthly comprehension of what the Biden administration is doing to America. No comprehension of what they are doing in terms of the Marxist takeover of America, the Green New Deal, which is just, you know, slithering like snakes woven all into the big spending bill we're about to see. This bill 
had very little, if anything, to do with serious, it has some infrastructure things in it, but it's mostly the, uh, you know, the kicking off point, the starting point, getting the left where, where they want to go in this remaining time of the Biden administration, getting the left where they want to go in terms of massive spending, massive taxation, massive growth of the entitlement state, the dependency state, and massive enabling of illegal immigration and encouraging of illegal immigration and funding people who, who have no right to be here. It is an, a profoundly anti-American bill and the Republicans who voted for it do not get a pass. I'm sorry, if you're not smart enough to see what the left is doing with these bills, you shouldn't be in Congress. So those Republicans, I was gonna read their names, but that's a waste of my time on this show. You can read, uh, I, this is up at our website, americacanbetalk.org, on the homepage, uh, <clears throat> under shows, drop down list of links, you can read who voted for it. But I wanna make clear, you cannot give these people a pass just because they say, well, that was a really good thing for my district. We really need our bridges. You've got to be on the, understand the bigger picture where we are. Don't give the Biden administration the Marxist cabal that has taken over America. Don't give them an inch. That needs to be with Republicans. And frankly, I don't know on Kevin McCarthy why he, why he doesn't crack the whip like Nancy Pelosi cracks the whip. I mean, these Republicans should never be allowed to serve on the dog catcher committee, let alone any other significant committee. It doesn't matter if there are a few great ideas, an infrastructure bill, and a few necessary projects. These people are about the destruction of America. You have to understand that. Okay, so um, several good articles. You want, I want to have you read about that. I encourage you to read about that. I now want to talk to the Biden. Um, oh, hey, wait, one more funny thing. So President Trump... Uh, never one to shy away, actually weighed in after this vote. And he called out the rhinos for helping to pass this infrastructure bill. And I'll tell you what else, folks. Now the infrastructure bill is passed, it becomes harder and harder for the um, leftists, uh, for the uh, Republican rhinos who voted for it, to say no to the next thing. And this is part of what the left did. They lured them in. Oh, yeah, come on. Got to come together. There's no coming together when the socialists are trying to destroy America. You don't come together with them. You don't humor them. You don't go along with them. You don't make anything they're trying to do easier. That's the job of a Republican in Congress. It's the job of a patriot, someone who loves this country. Okay, I want to hit this. Uh, I, I call this next segment uh, Biden, uh, new, uh, his vax mandate blocked. Um, and actually, that is just a umbrella title. I'm going to run through really quickly a bunch of stories that were in uh, that kind of all relate to the vaccine mandate. And I want you to realize how, uh, I mean, I don't know what to call it. It's extremely consequential, um, this, um, this issue is. So Biden is saying that OSHA, the federal agency that's supposed to actually deal with, you know, safety in the workplace, OSHA regulations will kick in January 4th. And every business that has a, has 100 or more employees must impose a vaccine mandate on every employee. And so that has been, you know, the subject of much discussion already among conservatives. Why in the world does the Biden administration and some federal agency have the right to force anyone to take a vaccine, number one, and to punish businesses that won't go along with a vaccine mandate. This is, uh, this is a, a primary issue of primary importance. So you had, um, fortunately, a, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, a conservative federal, district, uh, federal appellate court, 
um, put a, a granted a temporary restraining order. Uh, and so you have to understand how this is supposed to happen. And, and actually, think about the lack of logic here. Vaccines are such an emergency that Biden's trying to say by January 4th, this OSHA regulation goes into effect and every single employer after that has to have a vaccine mandate if they have 100 or more employees um, and they also get an enormous fine per violation per employee. So it will make it impossible to function as a company if you don't comply. You can't financially function. You can't be in business. And so think about this. If this is that much of an emergency that everybody has to be vaccinated and we're now hearing there are you know, vaccines available everywhere for everyone, why is it if we're now here in the in November, early November, why is it such an, if it's an emergency, why is it not till, till January 4th? I mean, it's absurd. It is just a, please understand, back to our interview a moment ago, I meant to make this point, we're talking to Peter Navarro. President Trump and Navarro and his little team, they looked at COVID with the lens, the perspective that said, what can we do to protect the American people? What can we do to protect their health? How can we help them? The Biden administration looks at COVID as how can we use this to the greatest extent possible to crush the spirit of American freedom, to impose tyranny, to shut down businesses. And there are estimates. I mean, there, a lot of people are not going to go along with this, even if it goes through. I mean, some people are saying as high as 30 to 35 percent of the workforce are just saying, I won't do it. So then you can imagine the economic disaster will befall America if that happens. There is no rational justification. There's no justification based on the facts relating to COVID. We've been over a thousand times. COVID is 99.9%. You know, everyone gets over it except a tiny category of people with unique issues. It is a, a disease that you could have had actually uh, much a, a far lower death rate had the government actually allowed the uh, and encouraged doctors to prescribe things that early on doctors were saying, hey, this works great. You know, we should try... You had doctors saying that early on in 2020, and you had Fauci and the NIH, FDA, CDC, uh, you know, just, um, I don't even know what to call them, cabal of evil, refusing to let Americans know about that. So you had, you have this, this court has now given temporary restraining order. The issue is not just, you know, how effective um, these treatments are. The issue is, you know, what power does this federal government really have to even say that? You should know the, U, the uh, in Washington D.C. the United States Attorney uh, Surgeon General recently I said yesterday I think it was actually you know we're still considering whether we're going to impose the same requirement vaccines for everybody uh, for companies even smaller companies companies that have fewer than 100 employees they are going for the jugular of freedom in this country going for the jugular of freedom. They're going to use COVID to make sure every single American understands you have no freedom. You have no healthcare freedom. You have no right to make your own healthcare decisions. And you have no right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and go into your job and living your life unless you do exactly what the government tells you. This is the stance they're taking, and this is why so many people are outraged. But I got to tell you, um, there are a bunch of things that, that happened I thought were just really worthy, and I can actually make this a little more entertaining. Um, let's tell you a couple of things that happened very quickly. Uh, Procter & Gamble, huge company. Procter & Gamble had a group of employees 
who they have the Procter and Gamble's gone ahead and said he got you know vaccine mandate, got to get vaccinated. They've had a group of employees that actually made a video, and they're trying to say to America, we don't want to do this. Why should we have to do this? We don't want to. So you have people banding together. You have protests all over creation. Um, you also have um, the um, use of your tax dollar money. You have the uh, Elmo and the other um, Sesame Street characters, Sesame Street pushing the vaccine to children. Sesame Street characters doing some town hall with CNN, pushing the vaccines for children who have even less reason to get a vaccine than healthy adults in America. As we've had in the show, many, many doctors pointing out virtually zero deaths from COVID among young children. The number was something in the 400s and all of them had significant, separate, serious health issues. COVID, most kids don't catch it. When they catch it, they get it over quickly. They do not pass it along to grandma, as the left tried to argue. There's no reason for this. And you've had Dr. Ben Carson coming out and say there's no reason to be vaccinating children. But the Biden administration pushing the vaccination of children, using media, using Sesame Street characters, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's just flaming outrageous. It's just outrageous. You had Ted Cruz. Uh, great state of Texas, Senator Ted Cruz has introduced a bill trying to block the federal government and public schools from imposing COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccines. You've got to believe in left-wing states and, and blue states. There's going to be uh, mandates for kids to get the vaccines. Thankfully, Ted Cruz stepping up and others stepping up just saying, what in the world are you doing? I, I do. I have actually, I'm just loaded for bear on this subject with some really, really, really great stories. One is... I want to tell you, in case you didn't hear this story, uh, what happened um, in, um, I think it was Italy. What happened in Italy? Okay. So, uh, actually, one more thing very quickly to tell you. Um, there was actually a pilot protest. Airlines have been big into getting in the vaccine mandate. Pilot protest. A major North Carolina airport had a pilot protest. The group of pilots formed the U.S. Freedom Flyers, and they organized a rally outside the Charlotte Douglas International Airport on Saturday saying, we don't want to have to take the vaccine. You shouldn't be making us. This is pilots. I mean, imagine if this, this crazed, uh, it, it's, like a, it, it's like a freight train that doesn't have a driver anymore. It's just, you know, barreling down the path, demanding vaccines for, of everyone, and rational people trying to point out, I'm not really sure it's a good idea, there's no logic to be allowed, no submitting of facts, no reason, no data. The, the government, and by the government, I mean the left-wing Marxist cabal that has now taken over this country and completely controlled Biden, who doesn't even know what day it is. And those people are using this not to protect public health. Again, COVID has a 99.9% survival rate for almost everyone. We have plenty of effective drugs to treat COVID, and yet you have the government pushing vaccines. There's no logic to what they're doing. But I got to tell you a really cool story, and this is out of Italy. You got to please pay attention, then tell your 25 best friends this story. So in Italy, they had numbers, as every country does, are keeping track of the number of deaths uh, due to COVID. And so they've had numbers and the numbers have been floating out there. You know, they had as the official count uh, by the Italian Higher Institute of Health, Italian Higher Institute of Health had numbers saying that they had as the official COVID deaths, they had 130,000 
468 deaths, 130,468 deaths. And then they went back into their data and they separated people who died from COVID or due to COVID versus people who died with COVID. Meaning, for example, if you got hit by a car, you're in a motorcycle accident, you have a heart attack, and when you pass away and they, they do your autopsy, they realize that you had COVID, even though you weren't sick, they've been counting it as a COVID death because you had death with COVID, not from COVID. Very important distinction. They had lumped all of them in together, so they separated them out of the 130,468 deaths in Italy, how many were actual deaths due to COVID, from COVID, and getting rid of, taking out of the numbers those who died, who happened to have COVID, with COVID. People, they officially revised down the number of COVID deaths by 97%. 97%. Were not due death by COVID. They were people who died who happened to have COVID. 3%, 3% of their massive number was actually the number of people who died at, due to COVID. Imagine now if you if you if countries around the world would do that, they do that here in America. I mean, no one trusts the CDC to give you anything truthful. But imagine if they did that. 97% reduction in COVID deaths due to just being truthful, just being honest. This should be happening in every country in the world because you have to understand those kind of numbers, those are used to scare people into submission, scare people into compliance with the government. It's, it's just outrageous. Okay, now I wanna turn and talk of football, not really football, but I'm gonna talk about Aaron Rodgers and, um, uh, and um, sorry, Aaron Rodgers and Terry Bradshaw. Okay, and this is really, really important to understand. I, I mean, truly. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, he's a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And he's had a statement a couple weeks ago basically saying he doesn't like cancel culture, not going to listen to them. Well, he came out a couple days ago and said that he had COVID. He tested positive for COVID. So he had called a friend who happens to be in the media, Joe Rogan, and said, what is it they're suggesting you do for COVID? So from his, uh, and, and maybe he probably talked to doctors too, I don't know. But in any case, he tested positive for COVID. He got ivermectin. He got ivermectin. I believe he also got monoclonal antibody infusion. And he said within like 48 hours, maybe it was even less, I'm feeling so much better. So he's taking ivermectin. He's taking monoclonal antibody infusion. He had one at least. And he's feeling much, much better. And so I want to just ask you, let me stop my story there. I will tell you how I feel. Number one, I do not want to judge other people about whether they get the COVID vaccine or not. It's none of my business. I think everyone has the right to control their own healthcare, control their own body, and they have the right to healthcare privacy. They don't have, no one, part of what's happened in this crazed, you know, COVID mania, vaccine mania, is that somehow the normal assumption in American society that people think of each other's health care, health situation as private. And so you don't just ask people, you know, about their health care or, or their, their health or their latest test or how they're, I mean, unless they want to talk about it. Somehow under COVID, people have been emboldened to get in other people's faces, demand, have you had a vaccine? Have you had COVID? What'd you take? And, and just intrusively, 
treat people as though all norms related to healthcare privacy are gone. So now back to Aaron Rodgers. My reaction, I'm happy that he feels better. This should be the reaction of every sane American. Every sane American. Aren't you so glad he feels better? I'm glad he feels better. So he does his announcement. You know, he acknowledges he got a positive COVID test. This is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the um, Green Bay Packers. So Terry Bradshaw, who I will just say to start with, Terry Bradshaw was a great quarterback for the Steelers. Okay, great quarterback. Got to give him that. He is a buffoon. He is frequently makes evident he is not, you know, the brightest bulb in the chandelier. He's not the sharpest pencil in the box. He's kind of adult. And in fact, I'll tell you a kind of funny thing about that. You know, back when he was still playing football and the Steelers and the Cowboys were going to be in the Super Bowl, somebody in the Cowboys team said about Bradshaw and ridiculing him, he couldn't spell cat, the word cat, if you spotted him the C and the A. I mean, he's basically saying he's really dense. And so Bradshaw, you know, wins the game and got, you know, I mean, I guess got most valuable player, blah, blah, blah. And later, Bradshaw, commenting about that, said, it's football, not rocket science. Well, now I want to turn why. You may wonder, why is she picking on Terry Bradshaw? I want to play for you a clip. This is Terry Bradshaw, who is, you know, at this point, um, kind of obnoxious, clearly overweight, very belligerent. I mean, he just, and, and as I said, never in his whole life has he been you know, the sharpest pencil in the box. So he, Terry Bradshaw, was one of the sportscasters covering the, covering the game at Navy this past weekend after the story of Aaron Rodgers came out saying he was taking ivermectin. So Ziggy, Mr. Becker, could you please play uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw? We are a divided nation politically. We're a divided nation on the COVID-19, whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. And I'm extremely disappointed in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. Well, another thing I... Okay, before, you know, I cut it out. It's okay. We'll leave it where it is. But previous to that, in that little rant, he had said, and Aaron Rodgers is taking ivermectin. He goes, which I'm telling you folks, you know, uh, the doctor, Terry Bradshaw, saying, you know, I'm telling you folks, it is a horse dewormer, a cattle dewormer. It is not, I mean, he's mocking him for taking ivermectin. And I just want to say, this is not just a pick on Terry Bradshaw, but I mean, if there were to be, you know, uh, Lennon had the expression, useful idiot. If we had a useful idiot of the month award, Terry Bradshaw would get it for sure because he's mocking someone who's saying, I took ivermectin and I'm feeling better. On top of that though, he is mocking all of the doctors in the country who've come out in favor of ivermectin, saying actually it's working really, really well. And in fact, I'll tell you a quick story before I can play one more clip, which is a doctor testifying in the US Senate um, in December, like coming up in almost a year ago. So. In India, the country of India, in the most populous state named Uttar Pradesh, this Indian state named Uttar Pradesh, with nearly 200 million people, declared completely COVID-free since the government promoted ivermectin. Ivermectin, whatever else it is they did for horses or cows, American doctors are saying is very effective in pill form to treat people with COVID. So I want to just play uh, Mr. Becker. I sent you that one little clip. Yeah, let, let's play this doctor in the Senate, testifying in the Senate. I want to start out by saying that I'm not speaking 
as an individual, I'm speaking on behalf of the organization that I'm a part of. We are a group of some of the most highly published physicians in the world. We have near 2,000 peer-reviewed publications among us, led by Dr. Prof uh, Professor Paul Marek, who's our intellectual leader. We came together early on in the pandemic, and all we have sought is to review the world's literature on every facet of this disease, trying to develop effective protocols. That turned out to be a <clears throat> life-saving recommendation. I am here again today with a new recommendation. In the last nine months, in our review of all of the literature as a group, <clears throat> again, we are some of the most highly published physicians in our specialty and the world. We have done nothing but try to figure out how to identify a repurposed and available drug to treat this illness. We have now come to the conclusion after nine months, and I, I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like tocilizumab and rendesivir and monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. And I want to talk about that we have a solution to this crisis. There is a drug that is proving to be of miraculous impact. And when I say miracle, I do not use that term lightly. And I don't want to be sensationalized when I say that. That is a scientific recommendation based on mountains of data that has emerged in the last three months. When I am told, and I just had to hear this in the opening sentence, that we are touting things that are not FDA or NIH recommended, let me be clear. The NIH, their recommendation on Evermectin, which is to not use it outside of controlled trials, is from August 27th. We are now in December. This is three to four months later. Mountains of data have emerged from all, from many centers and countries around the world showing the miraculous effectiveness of ivermectin. Okay, that was, that guy was testifying, an actual doctor, almost a year ago, December of 2020. He's telling an open hearing in a Senate, I'm a doctor, we've been researching this. We have discovered ivermectin is overwhelmingly efficacious. And I wanted to focus on one other thing he said. Why, in all the time, in all of 2020, as we were facing COVID, why wasn't anyone in the CDC, NIH, FDA, why wasn't anyone looking to see, does some current drug, he used, calls it repurposing an existing drug, why weren't they looking around to say, well, what would be effective here? What can we do here? This is how hydroxychloroquine came to the attention of doctors around the country, recognizing because they're trained to understand how medicines work, how particular medicines work, and what's going on in your body with various diseases. And they recognize, you know what, I think this would work. And it did. And ivermectin and inhaled budesonide. And so here we sit in November 2021, excuse me, 2021, with Terry Bradshaw buffoonishly, you know, useful idiot of the year probably, pontificating away on national television about how stupid Aaron Rodgers was to rely on ivermectin when actual doctors who spent, as he's describing, months and months looking into existing drugs, finding out they're effective, testing them, 
and, and discovering ivermectin was, and the only problem is you have a federal government, CDC, NIH, FDA, that simply wouldn't move off the dime for whatever reason you want to attribute to it because they love vaccines, because they love expensive drugs, they want drugs that make the pharmaceutical companies more money, who knows what it is. But the, he's got a great point that Dr. Corey, what is the reason that the private sector, doctors in the private sector had to do the research the government should have been doing and looking to say, what works here? So back to Terry Bradshaw. I don't mean to, real, I, I do mean to pick on him. I've, I've always thought, I mean, he's, he's obviously not bright. He is a great quarterback. He needs to stick to talking about football. He, he does understand football. I am not going to try to go out there and pontificate about who's the best quarterback for next year or any other football topic because I don't know. He doesn't know one thing about ivermectin. He doesn't know one thing about the efficacy and the studies that have been done. He does not know that in India, in a region of India with almost 200 million people, they have wiped out COVID using ivermectin. Yet he goes on national television mocking Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is part of what's happened under COVID. You have a, a litany of profoundly ill-informed and yet just, you know, effusively, I, I can't even think of the words, just filled with rage and outrage and confidence and belligerence, a whole bunch of people, because they read a headline. Terry Bradshaw read a headline somewhere that said ivermectin doesn't work. There's no idea what he's talking about, and he's mocking Aaron Rodgers. And look, I don't know Aaron Rodgers. I don't know Terry Bradshaw. I'm just outraged that that buffoon, Bradshaw, would use the time on national television to criticize a guy who's saying I'm feeling better and ivermectin works, which is what doctors are also saying. One other point in Terry Bradshaw, and that is this. He was uh, angry also and, and sounding off in his buffoonish, bellowing way about Aaron Rodgers saying, well, Aaron Rodgers lied because some answer he gave and some, I don't know where it was, but Aaron Rodgers had given some answer that sounded like he was affirming he'd had the vaccine. And so, and he hasn't had the vaccine. So Bradshaw saying, he's a liar to boot. Let me just say three quick points about that. Number one, you know, useful idiot of the year, Bradshaw. People get COVID after they've had vaccines. And when they go get, they get COVID after they've had the vaccine, many of them are gonna take ivermectin because more doctors have figured out it works. Number two, among the reasons being attributed, I don't know Aaron Rodgers, but reasons people are attributing for him having said, you know, that you're implied, I don't know what he said, but implied or said that he had gotten the vaccine. But people are saying, but you know, he probably had to do that because he's so worried about the cancel culture, the attack mob, the way our country has, led by Dr. Fauci, become a country where the people who feel profoundly morally superior because they've had the vaccine and they can treat the unvaccinated like the great unwashed, like the peasants, like the lepers. This is a, how a simple-minded person like Terry Bradshaw takes in what kind of things Fauci has been saying. And Fauci and his whole team in Washington, the unvaccinated are the problem. They're not the problem at all. And plenty of doctors are saying the unvaccinated are not hurting anybody. But Bradshaw feels entitled to mock Aaron Rodgers and because of the way Terry Bradshaw spoke about Aaron Rodgers, you know, actually, he's proving Aaron Rodgers' point. If Aaron Rodgers 
did think, I don't think I'm going to advertise it and get the vaccine because I don't want the cancel culture, loudmouth, obnoxious Americans to pile on me. You know, Bradshaw's proving, yeah, Aaron Rodgers sized that one up right. And the third thing is, why in the world? Bradshaw's just an ex a public example of the mindset of millions of Americans who've gotten lured into this. It is so outrageous. We need to return to having compassion and respect for everyone. I respect the decision of people to get the vaccine, to not get the vaccine, to pursue ivermectin or whatever other treatment they want. We used to have that mentality. We have to recognize how far the left has dragged us into the sewer over the COVID, the, the intentional manipulation of the COVID, uh, and it's not even an epidemic anymore. It's not even an epidemic anymore. The COVID episode in America and using it as the left always does to divide us. They use anything they can to divide us. So Terry Bradshaw wins the useful idiot, idiot of the month and maybe of the year. I hope sometime he'll actually read what happened in India, listen to an actual doctor. Oh, I checked, Terry Bradshaw doesn't have a medical degree. He doesn't, he's not a doctor. I mean, maybe you thought he was, but he's not at all. I wanna hit one other quick story very, very quickly before I do wanna ask Mr. Becker, if we can, I wanna quickly remind you uh, that if you want to get great Christmas presents for your families and friend, family and friends, go to MyPillow, MyPillow.com, uh, which is, I, I have a now, you can get a discount by using the promo code DebbieG. You see in the bottom line, promo code DebbieG, go to MyPillow.com, you get up to 66% off on everything you order. It depends on the item you order. We at our home are loving our slippers, our robes, our, we just got, okay, I, I got a little carried away. Got more towels, because they're so nice. I'm kind of weeding out all our old towels, because they're really, really absorbent. They're just, they're just perfect. And so I urge you to go to my pillow. Great way to get Christmas gifts. You can skip them all, and you can maybe even, you can avoid the supply chain hassle. Go to my pillow. You can get Christmas gifts for yourself and Christmas gifts for your family. MyPillow.com, promo code WG. Last story, this takes exactly 30 seconds, and I'll tell you why it matters to you. This has nothing to do with politics, but I found this so entertaining. Anyone watching, do you know what this is supposed to mean? You have to wash my hand. Go like this, go like this, and like this. Do you know what that means? Does anyone know? I would have had no idea. No idea. Again, look one more time, thumb in, and then you go like this. Well, apparently on TikTok, which I never listened to, I don't even know how to find TikTok, I don't pay attention to it. But on TikTok, during the time of the COVID shutdown, unfortunately, everyone stuck at home, there was a great increase in domestic violence. And the increase in domestic violence uh, was just because people were cooped up. And so they had people on TikTok and they actually developed this kind of signal. What I just said, this, 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 is a signal, a distress signal. I'm, I, I need help, I, I'm, I'm in danger, please help me. I didn't even know about this. So in North Carolina, there was a missing teenager, a missing teenager, uh, and her parents have reported her missing last Tuesday, and she's in the car with a 61-year-old, obvious, I, I mean, for no good reason was she in that car. I mean, he's been charged with a variety of things. It appears she might have gotten in the car voluntarily, then realized that he was, uh, had very bad intentions for her. And he was apparently, he claimed, heading out of state. So th they're at a red light. The, dri the driver, who's the abductor uh, or the bad actor, the girl sitting here, she looks over, there's a, at a red light, there's a car next to her, she does this, and the other driver in the next car recognized it. 
I mean, I, I, I would have thought, what is she doing? Sign language? I wouldn't even have known. Other driver recognized that calls 911, follows the car, so you can tell the police where the car is, and they got this girl back safely to her parents. They got the guy, 61-year-old guy with some teenager, happily ensconced in jail, and that is just a great, happy story about America. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today, the Infrastructure Bill of Betrayal, 13 rhinos vote for the radical left spending into oblivion agenda. The bill would not have passed without these rhino votes because it had Democrat no's. Estimates suggest as little as 11% of this 1.3 trillion bill is for infrastructure. Nobody in Congress writes these bills. Nobody in Congress reads them line by line. The mood of the country is adamantly against everything on the Biden agenda. Yet these rhinos step in to pass the Pelosi Biden bill, what the heck? The disconnect between the American people and the ruling class has never been wider. Defiance of the consent of the government is dangerous and destabilizing. If fair and honest elections are restored for 2022, congressional makeup could be radically changed if we can have fair elections. And the Biden-Vax mandate blocked. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals cites, and this is actually great language out of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, grave statutory and, content and constitutional issues in issuing temporary order blocking OSHA mandates. Americans are jaded and cynical about the current judiciary's willingness to protect freedom, so the Fifth Circuit's action is only mildly celebrated. But the sweep of evidence of VAERS data and other stories of adverse effects, and by the way, yeah, Gavin Newsom, I don't know if you saw this story, got his booster and has been nowhere to be seen. I mean, nowhere in public. A lot of assessment speculation that he had a really hard time with the booster. Are taking the wind out of the sails of mandate hysteria. Maybe this time the courts, including eventually the Supreme Court, will stay firm. Congressman Thomas Massey, I love that guy. Never met him, but he has great quotes. A Republican of Kentucky has it right. Anyone who believes... A U.S. president can unilaterally impose a medical treatment on all Americans as a condition of employment is constitutionally illiterate, illiterate and morally bankrupt. I love that guy. Okay, last thing, rescue TikTok distress signal. A silver lining story for TikTok, the otherwise mind-wasting short video app designed by communist China. Newly fashioned distress signal using single hand movements spreads publicly via TikTok. A kidnapped 16-year-old girl flashes a signal at a stoplight. Alert nearby driver recognizes the signal, connects with the police, and soon the kidnapper is stopped and arrested, and the kidnapping plot foiled. As with almost all technologies, there are good features, and there are features exploited by the dark elements of humanity. TikTok facilitates communication and facilitates the spread of propaganda, but score one for the life-saving communication. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?